Hello and welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Kevin Decker. And I'm Tony Flynn. Today's episode, season 11, episode 20, is a handful of cubits. Now, Kevin, the inter-spider net is uh, buzzing over the uh, Schmalkaldic series we had. Right. And whether or not the world began with Noah's Ark, Deluge, or just a leaky faucet. Right. It brings back cubits. Tell us where this title came from. Well, I don't think that the phrase a handful of cubits shows up in that Schmalkaldic League, which if you're looking for it on your rubric, it's episodes 16, <laughs> 17, and 18 from this season. Uh, big three-parter. But it delightfully doesn't make sense. And of course, the whole idea of building an arc that would be big enough to carry two of everything on Earth at any given point in but the But not fish. The, the fish were allowed to drown. Yeah, Did the that fish, ever bother you? Yeah, no, that really does bother me. Because if the fish can't come up for air, then, you know, what's going to happen to them? But they can. They, they can, can just swim. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But the fish did not need to be destroyed. No, they didn't. Maybe and, they should have been. And that explains why we have so many fish problems even today. <laughs> and yeah, we, they're not all dead no, yet. No, they're not. But we we've haven't handled, killed all the fish We've handled yet. that on this show, too. Yeah. And, uh, by That's the funny. way, I was getting my hair cut the other day with a new guy, and he's just spending the whole time telling me about grilling fish and showing me pictures. And <laughs> he does the whole fish method, by the way. You know, he's like, so I just got it. You know, he's, he's massaging my scalp. <laughs> I just got the fish, and we throw that away, and then I put, you know, all the good stuff inside, and then we grill it, and this is what it looks like. Like, and I'm like, that looks delicious, and please stop waving the scissors. So, Well, that's what he used to gut the fish with. Yeah, that's probably true. Why use two different sorts of tools? Right, just rinse them off between use. That's right, as long as they're sterilized. Yes, where I grew up, kids would uh, have to lick their plates clean and put them back in the cupboard. Uh, right after licking them clean, yeah. huh? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you brought up grilling fish. Uh, I, guess, I guess those two are all along the same lines of kind of minor grossness. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that should have been sterilized, we have four sketches for you today in today's <laughs> exciting episode. Yeah. We're going to start off today with another look at the man who came out from the basement, Jack Shambles. Tony, this is your script. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, he's a man-child of mystery, and I have no idea what's going on. But he's made it out into the daylight. He's discovered that his mother has abandoned him. He has no food, no debit card, no access to the Internet. And he's gone outside without shoes and socks. Of course, the police are cold, <laughs> as they are in every episode of most of <laughs> yeah, our sketches. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And the amazing thing is that his his one real aspiration, I think, is just to get back down in the basement again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to have a half sandwich. <laughs> That's right. After that, we have a commercial from our sponsors who make bow ties. Bow ties, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this and isn't even the South, but we're talking <laughs> about bow ties. That's right. This particular sponsor is concerned with the dangers and humiliations of the regular tie that gets caught sure. in things. Yeah, absolutely. We've all seen uh, Fargo, you know. <laughs> and upsets ponies. Yeah. So, so we're you know, there are a lot of reasons to wear a bow tie and the least of them are aesthetic. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's <well>. the very <laughs> least. After then, one more look in at Johnny Hambone's podcast from the hammock. You wrote this one, Tony. Yeah, um, Johnny Hambone uh, and his uh, former cellmate, Big Nell, have been struggling against this suburban white mom's syndicate led by 
Tiffany, and she's trying to get them hoisted up into her helicopter where her gang of assassins can drop Big Nell and Johnny Hambone into a nearby lake from a height of 3,000 feet. (laughs) Johnny Hambone and Big Nell resist it. And this is the last Johnny Hambone episode ever, so uh, things hang in the balance. Yeah, you're never going to look, I think, at the German romantics ever the same again after Johnny Hambone. And you might even just not ever look at them. You might not ever look at them, and and you'd survive. Yeah, but give them a try anyway, even though everyone's name is Friedrich. Yeah, there's a lot of books up about uh, right now. Yeah, everybody has a nickname, and every other anybody else is Friedrich. You're right. Yeah, they're Friedrich and Schelling and Schlegel. Yeah, they're all Schelling and they're sleeping with each other, and cats and dogs living together. I was interested in this book. (laughs) Cats and dogs <laughs> cohabiting in the same yes, house. Yes, that's I know. That's the end of every reductio germ- ad absurdum. Exactly. The German yeah. romantics were um, pretty wild. Yeah, they yeah. were. But the Swedish weren't. The Swedish weren't, which is Kevin's adroit segue to our last piece, Swedish Death Cleaning, which is the latest of recently resurrected, allegedly Swedish traditions of going through old people's things because the old person is going to die no matter what kind of great shape she's in. Yeah, you want them to be involved because it's their stuff, but it's horribly cruel. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why it's on Men in Charge. So Swedish death cleaning, it's there for you whether you want it or not. And now, it's time for Jack Shambles, man-child of mystery. Out of the darkness, out of the shadows, from behind those living room curtains, comes a man, more man than child, more child than man, for whom basement dwelling is a way of life. Jack Shambles, a 37-year-old, unemployed, basement-dwelling online gamer, has just discovered that, number one, he's had a stepfather for many years, and number two, his mother has abandoned him, ending his access to the internet, to phone service, and to food, telling him in a final voicemail to get a job if he wants to survive above ground. Baffled and floundering, Jack runs to a neighbor who steals his debit card and slams her door in his face, snapping, Beat it, kid, or I'm calling the cops. Jack bangs on her door. And Viola, the neighbor, calls the police. Okay, buddy, hands where we can see them. But, officer, this woman just stole my debit card and I'm trying to get it back. Is this true, lady? Do I really look like a debit card thief? Well, I, uh... Hold that thought, officer. Barbs! Hi! It's great. The police are here already. Thanks for snagging Jack's debit card, Viola. But with emptying the house, I'd forgotten to change the security code. But that's done now, so he can have it back. Okay, Barbs. By the way, this has been fun. We should have done this years ago. I know, but Jack was always so pale, so soft and moist. I didn't have the heart. Lady, we don't have all day here. That's okay, officer. You can let him go. For now. I just found his silly little debit card right here in my pocket. 
There you go, whoever it is you're claiming to be. Oh, thanks so much. And just like the debit card says, I'm Jack Shambles. Okay, for now, we've got our eye on you. On who, officer? Her, the card thief, or me, the innocent victim? On you, of course. You're not even wearing shoes. Oh, that's because I had to run out of the house suddenly to... And uh, which house is that? This one, right next door. You mean the one with a locksmith's van out front and someone apparently rekeying the locks? Yes. Hey, wait! Hey, locksmith man, what are you doing? Actually, I'm a woman, and I'm changing the locks. What else do locksmiths do when they're hunched down by a door with a lot of tools? Well, besides installing surveillance systems, which maybe I'm not also doing. Well, locksmith man, could you at least let me in so that I could, you know, get my shoes and some socks too, I guess? No. Well, but could I at least get a key when you're done? No. How about... If I give you my debit card with the security code. No, your mom said you'd try that. But it's no good to you. She changed the security code. Oop, I wasn't supposed to tell you that. She wanted it to be a surprise. She what? Oh my God. She wants to kill me. I'm going to die. 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 That cheap echo effect is getting you zero sympathy, pal. Here, why not make yourself useful? Hand me that screwdriver. You you want me to help you lock me out of my own house? What, you think I have three hands? Anyway, you gotta love the irony, am I right? No, I hate the irony. Another entitled millennial. Wait, I'm a millennial? But... But I thought I was Gen Z or whatever the kids today are calling themselves. Got your birth certificate right here from your mom. Uh, I don't know how to read very well from paper. Then if you're not doing anything else, why not hand me that screwdriver? You work with me for the whole job and I'll give you one of these. What's that? More paper? I told you I don't do paper. It's a dollar. Mm, A dollar is a lot, right? That's all the time we have now for Jack Shambles, Manchild of Mystery. Locked out of his house, friendless and alone and utterly without shoes, can Jack at least look forward to a career as a locksmith's assistant? Tune in again next time when we'll hear the cops say... Okay, Jack Shambles, if that is your real name, how do we know that's actually your dollar? This portion of Men in Charge is brought to you by the Bring Back the Bowtie campaign. Listener, how many times has this happened to you? You're wearing your regular brightly colored necktie. It's pouring rain, extremely blustery, and as is your habit, you're late for work. As you sprint toward the bus stop, 
your tie gets wrapped around an ordinary light pole. And before you can say, <laughs> your momentum carries most of you forward, but leaves your throat and head hopelessly entangled in the unrelenting grip of the gaudily colored polyester noose around your neck. Just before you pass out from strangulation, you manage to slow down enough to avoid an embarrassing coroner's inquest. If you'd been wearing a bow tie instead, you wouldn't have missed your bus, would have made it to the second interview with flying colors, and would now be driving an expensive domestic electric vehicle after having finally nailed that long sought after promotion. And you'd never have to wait for a bus again. And remember when this happened? You promised your seven-year-old daughter a day in the country to look at and maybe even ride a pony. <laughs> at first, she balks at getting in the saddle. And so, doing what dads always do, you offer to show her how it's done. Having come straight from the office, you forget you're still wearing your two bright yellow and crimson I-heart horse's necktie, which for some unknown reason utterly spooks the normally docile <laughs> pony. So just as you clamor into the saddle, she <laughs> definitely tosses you nine feet in the air. Next thing you see is the nurse in the ER gazing down at your shattered legs with ill-disguised contempt muttering, Anybody who wears a hideously garish tie to a stable for novice riders deserves exactly what they get. <sighs> so, the next time you wonder how much more labor, fuel costs, material, industrial and atmospheric pollution, and supply train issues are involved in sweatshop necktie production compared with that of the modest bow tie? Why... <laughs> That's like comparing the global impact of a brand new diesel-spewing semi-truck on the environment to that of a medium-sized plate of spaghetti. So, feel good about yourself again. Take another look at the wily bow tie. Its safety record is unmatched, its look timeless, and it leaves room for who knows what else you might have up your sleeve fashion-wise for the rest of your chest. Bow ties. It's our time again. That's the Bring Back the Bow Tie campaign, a proud sponsor of Men in Charge since before the automobile trunk safety release latch was invented in the late 1980s. Investing your money wisely has never been easier than with a checking account in Tony and Kevin's name into which you make regular deposits of your hard-earned cash. All at your own convenience and no tax burden. Details coming up on Men in Charge. And now it's time for Johnny Hambone, podcast from the hammock. As you'll remember from last time, Johnny Hambone, former library bouncer, was on prison work release to help his former cellmate, Big Nell, address the extortion threats of a criminal syndicate of white suburban mobs. 
The syndicate's ringleader, Tiffany, trailed Johnny through the woods to his lair, where he hangs his hammock. At first intimidated by Tiffany's spray tan and drunken air of entitlement, Johnny and Big Nell become even more alarmed to learn that the helicopter hovering overhead is filled with her syndicate goons come to collect them. As the helicopter lowers the kidnapping cable, Tiffany encourages Johnny and Big Nell very nicely to hook themselves onto it so that they can be lifted on board and then conveniently dumped in the middle of a nearby lake. You'll like the hook. It's attached to a very strong cable. See, what did I tell you? It's an excellent helicopter hook. Now hop on, both of you. Just slip the pointy part under your belts or something. I don't think so, Tiffany. That hook looks a little oily to me. It might stain. What a lame excuse. You and Johnny are already plenty oily. You just don't want to be dropped into a lake from 3,000 feet. What, you're afraid of a little water? Both of you could really use a bath anyway, with this living in the woods in a hammock thing you've been doing. Did you hear that rustling noise, Tiffany? That was the sound of me taking your phone out of your hand, so that I can tell your assassin friends to haul you up into the helicopter. And did you hear that clicking sound of the hook? Of course I did. And I can see, too, that... Damn it, Tiffany. Why aren't you wearing a belt? There's nothing to attach the hook to on your stupid cocktail dress. Just loop the cable under... Her armpits speak now. Wait, you're wrinkling! Damn it! There goes a strap! Do you realize how much this gold lame cocktail dress with the keyhole bosom cost? Tiffany, what's the holdup down there? It takes 20 minutes to the middle of the lake, and I have to get both my daughters to soccer practice in 45 minutes. Naturally, they're in different fields at different ends of town. I've threatened all the coaches a number of times, but they claim they don't do the scheduling. Plus, I'm worried that by hovering here so long, we may be violating a noise ordinance. Something's the matter with Tiffany's, I mean, my phone. Wait a minute. You don't sound like Tiffany. That's what I'm telling you. Something's the matter with my phone. I'll explain when you haul up Big Nell here. Go ahead. Well... Okay, but I'm suddenly very suspicious. No, don't! Are you, can't you see? I'm, I can't believe you're doing this. You, oh my gosh, I'm... That's it, Johnny. Our work is done here. Let's disappear into the woods. But Big Nell, shouldn't we wait to make sure Tiffany makes it into the helicopter okay? Come on, Johnny, that's a real sturdy cable. But Tiffany's body is really slick from that spray tan. But if she does slip out of the cable, we don't want to be right underneath when she falls, do we? Let's get out of here. Hey, fool me once and all that, but we hauled up Tiffany. Oh, really? Did you check her name tag? I pasted it over that keyhole bosom she's so proud of. Actually, uh, no. Hold on a sec. This name tag does say Big Nell. Nice move, Big Nell. Extra name tags are handy when you want to transfer blame. Hmm. 
admit this name tag does rather confuse things. But I'm Tiffany! Now go get those two! Don't you have a machine gun or something? Sorry, Tiffany, if that is your real name. Firing a machine gun within city limits could subject me to a heavy fine. Maybe if you offered her a drink, she'd settle down. Tiffany doesn't really like helicopters. A drink, sure. But lower me back down on the table. Right now. And haul up Johnny Hambone and Big Nell. Look, uh, Tiffany, I'm on a tight schedule here. It'll take a few minutes to lower you back down to the ground. And then you'll have to persuade those two all over again to hook themselves up on the cable. Are you too willing to do that? Probably not. How about you, Big Nell? I really doubt it. How about if you lower me with a machine gun? Sorry, no, I, I'd be liable. But I'm paying you to drop Big Nell and Johnny Hambone into the lake from 3,000 feet. And I won't pay you a dime until I see both splashes. The three of you are really stressing me out. My daughters are gonna kill me if I'm late again. You have no idea how mean they can be. Plus, this helicopter is due for repairs, and, and I have a payroll to meet, so I, I really need the money. I've got an idea. How about if you get Tiffany to pay you up front not to drop her into the lake? Good thinking. You'll get paid and get to the soccer fields on time. Plus, Tiffany, you'll get to stick around for some soccer practice. Fair enough. I gotta go. But I hate soccer! And now it's time for Swedish Death Cleaning, a somber family drama sure to remind you of how profoundly annoying a family can be. Today we meet Shirley and Kay, two perennially middle-aged sisters going through their mother's things. A door opens. Hey, Kay, Shirley, what are you doing going through my things? It's time for your death cleaning, Mother. I was going to tell you, Mom. But Shirley wanted to surprise you. Wait, what? And since when do you call me Mother Shirley? This isn't 1930s New England. I just thought Mother had a more formal, funereal quality. This is a serious occasion. It's the death cleaning. We're here to take your things, Mom. Death cleaning is a new Swedish tradition. You just turned 65. So it's time to begin decluttering. But we're Scottish and Korean. Nevertheless, it's a tradition. And Swedish culture has enormous influence in this country. And not just because of the crime novels, Mom. And it's not a good idea to be openly defiant in the face of such a cultural monolith. But I'm only 65. Those are my things. This is ridiculous. But eventually, they'll be ours, Mom. 
So why delay the inevitable? We're just helping you declutter. And we brought a truck so the Swedish death cleaning ritual will be more convenient all around. So, this is how you wish me happy birthday? We were just about to do that when you burst in on us. So, happy birthday, Mom. Can you at least move the truck out of the driveway so that I can get to my Pilates class? Mother, please, let's sit down for a moment. Only a moment. As I said, Pilates? Shirley's point, Mom, is that... Shirley will explain Shirley's point, Kay. Fine. I'll start filling boxes. No filling. No boxes. Mother, please. We're only thinking of you at this late, well, end stage of your life. I know you want your, well, the family's things to find a good home before it's, you know, too late. What? You mean before the furniture, you know, dies? <laughs> Our, <clears throat> your furniture won't die, Mother. It will just move to new homes where it can be lavished with affectionate attention. Or soul. Wait, I wasn't supposed to say that, was I, Shirley? No, not sold. Mold. Cleaning mold. And speaking of gold, Mom, what happened to that gold candelabra? It's not gold, and it's on the wall right behind you where it's always been. Thanks, Mom. Give me that. You two just... Just stop destroying things. And, Mother, this jewelry, you haven't worn any of this in months. Clearly, you don't need it anymore. It's all really ripe for a good death cleaning. I know who needs a good death cleaning. Now, Mother, I don't think you're taking your eventual demise seriously enough. What do you have left? Twenty-five? Thirty years more, at most? I'm sure I have more years than some of you do. Shirley, maybe we should go. Mom's getting really upset. It might be some sort of dementia thing. You're right, Kay. We'll definitely need to bring this up with Mr. Garlic. Who's Garlic? Richard J. Garlic, our attorney. This is not a very happy birthday, you know. Let's just go, Kay. Mom's gotten really strong from all that Pilates, and the truck is mostly full anyway. That's all the time we have now for Swedish Death Cleaning. Tune in again next time when we'll hear Kay say... So, Mom, I've sent your DNA samples to Ancestry23.com. If it turns out that we are partly Swedish, then can we take your stuff? Please? And we'll hear Shirley say... Uh, Mother, Mr. Garlic says contesting your new will is going to cost extra. And since we're a little short, could you lend us a few thousand? Just till we win in court. Kevin, it's time to thank our cast, and I think I'm the one who thanks them this time. We would like to thank, therefore, and will thank... Terry McMullen, Kevin Decker, Jody Stewart-Strobelt, Scott Herrick, Ann Porter, Nancy Roth, Elaine Green, Davis Hill, Tony Flynn, and Rennie Yarrow. 
We'd also like to thank The Bad Plus for supplying, whether they know it or not, our theme song. And we'd like to thank Tony Flynn and Scott Herrick for writing today's episodes. Special thanks to that triumvirate of hydropower, Vern Windham, Carrie Boyce, Nisha Schramm, Nancy Roth, Savannah Rothy, and the only radio producer who demands to be paid in shekels, Brian Lindsay. 